Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. When I am out on a drive or with people, maybe around a campfire, there's a game I like to play. And I have my friend Dave up here with me today. And the game is called Would You Rather. Have I played Would You Rather before? Oh, you yeah. kind of give people two options. Neither one of them is a good option. You're just kind of choosing between, like, the lesser of two evils. <laughs> so, Dave, I want to start with this game a little bit with you today. Oh, and man. the question is this. Would you rather have a root canal the day before Thanksgiving... Okay. Or have your gallbladder removed the day before your birthday? Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. You know, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, uh, and I've had the root canal. Definitely haven't had the opportunity to have the gallbladder, and I'm hoping not. But um, I think I'd still stick with the root canal just because at least I, I think I can eat the next day, though. I think so I can make speaking it. as someone who's had both... <laughs> Since I lived in Prescott, uh, I would say that you picked the right one. The the pain of the the root canal goes away far faster than the pain of the gallbladder. Uh, And uh, the reason that Dave is here with me today, the reason we're kind of seated up here, is I had my gallbladder removed last week, the day before my birthday. Hmm. So uh, it was quite the birthday. Nothing like liquid birthday cake. Yep, liquid liquid diet on the birthday. (laughs) It was quite memorable. This one will go down in the books. Um, So I'm here taking it a little bit easier today. Um, And so Dave is going to be chatting with me about the next week in our series, Fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about joy. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited. Uh, Just the opportunity for us to kind of dig in and really discuss uh, joy itself. And, you know... um, one of the things kind of starting off with question wise is, you know, why don't we talk very much about joy, right? What, what is that? What do you think the reason is? Well, I think there's, I think there's like a few reasons that we don't talk more about joy. I, I keep pretty meticulous, like records, Dave, of the sermons that I've preached. Um, and I went back and looked and this is only my second sermon I've ever preached on joy. <laughs> um, and, and for me, that's because there, there was a, an obstacle in my past when it came to joy that kept me from talking about it and dealing with it. But I know for some people, they have their own obstacles. Um, I grew up in the church. So whenever I think about joy, there's a song that comes to mind, and it's this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? You guys, uh, man, they killed. So much better than the first, first service. We had to do it twice. They, they, were, they, they were struggling. You guys are awake and with us. But, you know, we sang this song, Dave, and there were some people, maybe in your church, like in my church, mm-hmm. that it was down, 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 <laughs> down, somewhere. We, you didn't know where it was. You had believed it was somewhere. Um, and so there were people who they just, they loved Jesus, but they had no joy. And you're mm-hmm. like, man, where does that come from? I think there was also, kind of growing up in the church, there was this pressure to have joy. Sometimes you're like in the car going to church. And there's no joy. And then you get out of the car and you put on like the face of joy, you know, and you kind of oh, fake yeah. it. Um, and, and I think that's one of the challenges is that sometimes when there are these things that we don't experience, the temptation is to fake it. And I just would say today that, that our goal, you know, the last thing that I would say we want today is for you to experience a plastic joy, mm. a fake joy. So I think there's some challenges in the church that we have with joy. I think there's some challenges in the culture that we have with, with, with joy. We live in a culture that is obsessed with happiness. I mean, it is people's number one goal to be happy. Um, it is the number one goal of their work, of their marriage, of their relationships, of their money. Everything is about, does this make me happy? And so if my marriage stops making me happy, I'm going to end it. If we're friends and you no longer make me happy, I'm going to ghost you. 
Hmm. Um, if this job no longer makes me happy, I'm going to quit and find the new one. And so I think in that context of searching for happiness, what we've done is we've taken something that's primarily chemical. Like you can, you can trace the arrival of happiness to a chemical being released in your brain and you getting a big dump of dopamine. Mm-hmm. We've taken that and we've elevated it to like the highest experience. And so we, we live in a culture that's, that's turned happiness into an idol. But the challenges in the church that sometimes when we have an idol out there, we struggle to talk about it in here because we don't want to push people down that path. And, and so what happens is that we live in a culture that treats happiness as an idol, but the church often treats it as an enemy. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus came, and his goal was to make you the sourest person on earth, you know? <laughs> like, we, we've taken it, we kind of reacted against it. Mm. You know, maybe we're afraid of it. And, and I would just tell you, the Bible is not anti-happiness. God is not anti-happiness. The enemy is not happiness. But we do have an enemy, and our enemy deceives us into satisfying our soul in what can't satisfy so it's not that, that happiness is bad. It's just that many times we experience happiness, and then what? You know, it, it, it doesn't fully, you know, give us the feeling we want. So we think, okay, well, I need more of it, or a different kind of it, or with a different person. And I'm just, I think what happens is our enemy is tricking us. Mm. So I think that's one of the reasons we don't talk about it, is I think it forces us to deal with these larger, more more difficult things. Yeah, I think that's a great point for us to consider. You know, I think, you know, today's a holiday, Father's Day, and, uh, you know, I think that some of us uh, maybe maybe not necessarily experiencing joy, right? It may be difficult, and so I know that you've got a list of maybe some obstacles uh, in, in where we can feel joy. Yeah, I mean, there's some of you that the joy is easy for you. So there's going to be stuff in this message for you, I promise. But, but I'm somebody who's wrestled with joy. And it really came down to an experience I had as a child. I was 14 years old, like you, Dave. My dad was a pastor. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman who began stalking my dad. She would wait in the parking lot for us to leave, watch us from her car. She called my house two or three times a day for a year and a half. Mm. Hundreds, thousands of creepy phone calls. We literally didn't answer our phone for a year and a half without it going to, to voicemail first. Wrote letters, made up lies, just crazy things. And what was her name? Joy. <laughs> so that's the reason I've been preaching for 15 years. It took me 12 to, of those years of preaching to get to my first sermon on joy. And here we are, this is only my second sermon. So I, if, if you've got obstacles, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you've got some empathy here, and I want to kind of speak to some of those. So this isn't an ex- exhaustive list. But these are five that I see happening really often. The first one is isolation. Mm. When you're by yourself, it's hard to have and sustain joy. And many of us are dealing with isolation on the backside of two years in this pandemic. All of us have experienced at least one relationship that changed. Many of us saw a lot of relationships change. We know from just kind of surveying the church, 90% of you have moved to Prescott from somewhere else. Many of that 90% have moved here in the last 10 years. You are starting over. And so it's really easy for you to be isolated. And that can be an obstacle to having joy or sustaining joy. Number two is exhaustion. Mm-hmm. When you're exhausted, it's hard to have joy because exhaustion 
shifts and, and kind of messes with your perception of reality. And I define exhaustion this way, that exhaustion is when our output consistently exceeds our input. Now, there are times in our lives where we're going to have to give out more than we take in, but there's a price to be paid for that. And if you s- sustain yourself in that consistently, you're, you're going to pay a price. And so um, for me, this is, this is where I make a little bit of a kind of a rabbit trail. Uh, and Dave, you're going to hold me accountable. This isn't the whole sermon. <laughs> but one of the first sermons I remember hearing about joy, the person said the secret to joy was this acronym, J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Now this is not a heretical idea. This is not, there, there's truth here that really Jesus is to be first in our mm-hmm. lives. That we are to put other people above your own. I mean, you're a dad. I'm a mm-hmm. dad. That, that's fatherhood. Yeah. You're putting your kids above yourself. But there's a struggle that happens within this that I think is actually an obstacle to joy. And that's that when you put yourself last, what it often does is it means you never consider yourself. And when you never consider yourself, I think you're breaking the, the greatest commandment. Mm. You know, the greatest commandment, Dave, the first part of it is about... Yeah, loving the Lord. Loving the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second part is about loving your neighbor. But there's a line that's really important. It says, love your neighbor, this is Jesus speaking, as yourself. Mm. And I think this idea right here, with joy, I think it would translate that verse, love others more than yourself. Mm -hmm. Love others better than yourself. And so there has to be an attention to self here. And we know this from just life. I mean, you get on an airplane, what do they tell you? Put your mask on first. That if you don't put your mask on, you can't help your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, you know, to the people who are here today, that caring for yourself is not selfish. So you need to hear this. You can't serve God from a place of burnout. I've been there. But there's a dot, dot, dot there. <laughs> and the other side of it is that refusing to sacrifice is selfish. Yeah. So we live in a culture that kind of tends to fall off like into a couple different ditches. Mm-hmm. On one side, we need to remember that, hey, like if you don't ever care for yourself, you're not going to have anything to give. On the other side, if you refuse to sacrifice yourself, if you repu- refuse to put yourself second, Mark 8, 34, if anyone come after me, he must deny himself take up his cross, follow me. If you don't ever sacrifice yourself, that's, that's selfish too. Mm-hmm. So the goal is, hey, how do I not end up exhausted because I'm caring for myself, but also be sensitive to uh, the calling of, of Christ to sacrifice myself some way. Yeah. So that's my little rabbit trail for that. I can <laughs> preach the whole day on that, but I won't. <laughs> the third one is sustained tension. Mm. When you're experiencing sustained tension, you're going to have an obstacle to joy. And what is sustained tension? It's the product of a stressful, toxic, or unhealthy environment. Sometimes our struggles with joy are environmental. I've shared that I I worked for a number of years in an unhealthy church. Mm. Well, in that environment, it was hard to have joy because of all the tension that was being created in the environment. So I wasn't in control of that, but eventually I had an opportunity to leave that environment, and I experienced more joy on the outside of that. So sometimes there are real environmental reasons why we're not stepping into joy. Mm -hmm. Two more, lack of purpose. Mm. When you feel like there is no purpose to what you're doing that feeling will be present with a joyless experience. And so it's often when you feel joy that you feel purpose. 
And so oppositely, when you lack joy, it's often because you lack purpose. Right. You, you say, why keep doing this if no one appreciates it and it doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. It's often you start going through, going through the motions. You say, I'm just going on autopilot. You know, this really is kind of meaningless. And then the last one is um, an obedience gap. So I, I read a lot, looked at a lot of people's lists of obstacles <laughs> to joy. This is one that I added of my own because I've experienced it. An obedience gap is this, when you ignore what the Holy Spirit is prompting you to say or do. Because this series that we're in on the fruit of the Spirit, really the idea is that joy is not a fruit of us. It's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's right. And so when we're not obeying and submitting to and following with what the Spirit's telling us, why would the Spirit continue to produce joy in our lives when we're withholding obedience? And so I've just found that those seasons that I started not having joy, many of them it's because I was avoiding something hard mm-hmm. that the Spirit wanted me to do. Mm. Wow. You know, I know I appreciate the opportunity that we're able to kind of do more of a, you know, an interview type or kind of a conversational piece, but I'm going to assume, though, Scott, that you've got a big idea for I us. do. Okay. I lost my gallbladder, but I still have big ideas. <laughs> Now, before I put this on the screen, Dave, I will tell you that you need to know this. I am not a heretic. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. So what I'm going to share, I think people might initially kind of brace at. Mm. But I just want you to know I'm not a heretic. Okay? So here's the big idea. (laughs) God offers us joy that is rich, yet unfinished in this life. Mm. And I think some of you may get hung up on that word, unfinished. You go, Scott, didn't Jesus say that he came to give, give us joy and that our joy might be complete? Yes. But I want to tell you the truth about joy today. If you can think about in your mind right now an experience you've had of joy, do that. Like think about a moment that you experienced real joy. My hunch is in many of those moments there was a longing for more. Maybe a longing for it to last longer. An expectation of, is this all there is? I think what joy does, and I owe this, this you know, insight to C.S. Lewis in his book, Surprised by Joy. What, what happens when we experience joy is we tap into something transcendent. Happiness isn't bad, but it's very temporal of this world. Joy is transcendent, and so when we experience it, it touches something in our hearts that reminds us that we were made for more than this world. Yeah. And so joy remains unfinished because we are created as eternal beings with desires that can only be met in eternity. And so Jesus offers us this, this rich joy in the time. It's a fruit of his spirit within us, but it will always remain a bit unfinished mm-hmm. because there is more for us to experience beyond this mm-hmm. life. Love that. That's fantastic. You know, I know we've been talking for a little bit uh, or for a while. Um, and of course, I know you've got to be aching to jump in and see and get into some scripture. Though, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So if you have your Bible, I have mine here. I want to invite you to open up to the book of Habakkuk. If you're like, that's in the Bible. Yes, it's called <laughs> Habakkuk. It's in, if you're in your index in the Old Testament section, it'll be near the end of the Old Testament. It's in a section called the Minor Prophets. They're not minor in importance. They're just shorter than the major prophets, which are much longer. This is Habakkuk in my Bible, not even two pages. So if you, if you enjoy this little kind of uh, dive into Habakkuk today with this first lie, we did a whole series last summer on the minor prophets. So we spent a whole day on Habakkuk. So you can go on our website and get that. The series is called Relentless. 
But, but in Habakkuk 3, we see a, a strong kind of rejection of the first lie, Dave. And so these, I don't always order these in a particular, but the, this is the most popular or the most pervasive lie I see when it comes to joy that people buy into, that our enemy speaks to them or whispers to them. That's why it's in quotes. It's because the enemy is speaking this. Yeah. And this is the lie. The presence of joy requires the absence of pain. So this is the lie that our enemy has whispered to you, maybe whispering to you today, will whisper to you in the future. Mm -hmm. That if you're in the middle of pain, you can't have joy. And Habakkuk 3, the very end of it, is a strong rejection of that idea. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me. If not, it'll be here on the screen. Habakkuk 3 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no fruit on the vines... Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Hmm. Now, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in Las <laughs> Vegas. We grew different stuff there. Um, but, but if you think about this, this picture, this is an agrarian society, and there's six things that are listed here that are not happening, that should be happening. Fig trees that should be budding are empty. Grape vines that should be full have no fruit. Olive groves that should have olives are failing. Fields that should have grain and barley are producing no food. Flocks of sheep have disappeared from the pen and there are no herds of cattle in the stalls. Now, I know a lot of us are experiencing sticker shock. And you go to fries, <laughs> chicken, steak, bacon. It all costs a lot more. But here, it's not that there is not a low price in meat, produce, or bread. There's nothing. There's no bread. There's no produce. There's no meat. And yet, Habakkuk says, mm. yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Mm. That's, that's, that's the exact opposite of the liar enemy says, which is, if you have pain, you can't have joy. Mm -hmm. They have deep pain. They have deep anxiety. And yet, they're rejoicing. And so I just think this is this, this strong rejection of that. I love what, what Frederick Beekner he says, joy is a mystery because it can happen anywhere, anytime, <laughs> even under the most unpromising circumstances, even in the midst of suffering with tears in its eyes, even mm. nailed to a tree. Dave, I know your dad loved Hebrews 12. Yeah. Whole book of Hebrews. Yeah. There's a Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 begins, for the joy set before him. Mm. Jesus endured the cross. <laughs> so it wasn't obligation that sent him to the cross. It was joy. And how, how could the most brutal death by the most brutal empire on earth be the source of joy, the place of joy? That's what God does. And so the, the truth in this place in rejection of the lie is the presence of joy does not require the absence of pain. Now, part of why I have Dave up here is this is part of the way I got my life, my wife to let me <laughs> preach today, was if I sat down and had somebody up here with me that I didn't, you know, overexert myself. But part of the reason you're up here, Dave, is it's Father's Day. Yeah. And you're a great dad, four kids. Mm. Um, but several years ago, you lost your dad. Yep. 
Um, and I had the privilege of knowing him. I had the privilege of being around him. Um, I had the privilege of being there when we celebrated his life. And so one of the things I saw as you walked through that season was I saw this Mm -hmm. in the midst of deep, deep, unimaginable pain. I saw joy in you. Mm. And I wondered if you could share with people about that. Yeah, I think, you know, so often we get stuck in thinking that there's, we can't hold two truths, right? Which is that whole point um, that I think is here. You know, um, you know, like you, Scott, my pops and I uh, love football, and it's uh, definitely transcended into our family uh, that's there. And so uh, we actually are on the good side, America's team. And so we've always been loyal, one team loyalist of the Dallas Cowboy. I'll just kind of throw that out there. Uh, not adding additional teams as we go along um, that's there, but, uh, but Dallas Cowboys. And so I remember, you know, my pops and I would talk oftentimes about just getting together to go see uh, a game together and um, having that experience. And so um, something that was really meaningful, something that we really wanted to do. And as we, um, after the diagnosis and um, throughout that time, um, kind of the latter part, um, was really wanting to give them that. And so I was able to get some tickets um, and really just a Cowboys experience. Um, we're going to be on the sidelines, meet the players. Um, just a really big deal that I was really looking forward to. He was too. And I remember the, uh, the weekend before, um, my wife and I, Amber, were able to go out on a cruise, just a real short cruise. And uh, the day we were, fl- we were kind of coming into harbor, my phone just lights up and... Um, in the midst of that time, you know, that can't be good. And I remember listening to the voicemail, um, getting on the phone and hearing that he had turned, um, that obviously um, his health started to decline really fast. And that instant shot in the gut that, you know, this experience was going to be removed and taken away. That was really tough. So, but you go right into go mode, right? And so it was like, hey, we got to get flights changed. Um, we got to get them back to Indiana right away. Um, and we just just went for it, right, to go into that point. And uh, the week after, you know, the game was, it was, you know, still one of those things. We were able to spend some time, and all of a sudden I get a call from my brother-in-law. You know, in the midst of it, just seeing the day-to-day and just kind of in the weeds of what was going on, didn't look at anything bigger, right? And what I did know was that the Cowboys had a home game uh, the weekend that we were supposed to go, but the following game, uh, they were in Indy. My brother-in-law was able to get us tickets to go see that game. (laughs) And so the amount of joy that came from the idea that I missed and lost the opportunity that I tried to put together to then be able to experience it with him in what God sowed together. And I think, you know, it just continued to remind me, right, that, you know, joy doesn't come, it doesn't come and remove the pain. It was tough times, difficult, you know, praying for healing or removal of, of the cancer. But it transcends the pain. And that experience just showed that transcendence of joy, of just being able to experience that with him, having that time together, um, and how God 
just orchestrated so many things to make that happen. So, thank you. Cool. And that's what I remember. You know, we forgot to bring a, bring a photo today, but there's a, a yeah. very, like, it, my mind is HD picture right now of <laughs> you and your dad um, yeah. right there, right above the end zone um, and, and sharing that. And um, I texted you this morning <laughs> that you are a good dad <laughs> and that your father is proud of you and you carry on his legacy really well. And yeah. um, I wish he was here, um, but I know that you're carrying on who he is. Um, including your just <laughs> addiction to those cowboys, you just can't, you just can't let them go. Um, definitely and, uh, not. And I'm definitely not. Well, oh, thank you. I appreciate so, that. Thanks Scott. for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Today. You know, let's move to that uh, that second lie. What's okay. our second lie? Okay. <laughs> our second lie is that joy is based on what's happening on earth. Mm-hmm. So if our enemy can't lie to us and say, "Hey, while you're in pain, you can't also have joy," I think what he does next is he tries to say, "Hey." What you're experiencing here temporally on earth, mm. that's the definition of whether joy happens or it doesn't. Um, and we just see that that's just not true. Jesus himself taught right against this in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, you are blessed. Now I'll just pause here, Dave. I know your dad was a big fan of Greek. Mm-hmm. So the word blessed here can also be translated happy. Mm. So you could say you are happy this is Jesus speaking, when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. You can be happy. Mm. This is where he says next, this is is why. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus here is saying, hey, your joy is not based upon what's happening on earth. Your joy, even amidst persecutions, false imprisonments, lies about you mm-hmm. is because of what's happening beyond this moment in heaven eternally. And this is back to the big idea that, that God offers us a rich joy in this life, but it's unsatisfied, it's, it's unfilled, it's unfinished because this is not all there is. Mm-hmm. And so that's often why I think we, we pit happiness and joy against one another and they're not against each other, but happiness is so much just about the moment in this world. Mm-hmm. And joy is so much more transcendent about what's happening beyond this world. And so we don't like take joy in being persecuted. There's no martyr complex here. But we can have joy amidst those hard times because we know something greater is happening eternally. So Jesus speaks these words to his disciples and then they live them. It's the beauty of the Bible. You see him teach it and then they live it. Mm -hmm. Acts 5. It says, after they, the Sanhedrin, called in the apostles and had them flogged, which means a, a really harsh beating, They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they released them. Then they went from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name that's capitalized as the name of Jesus. Mm. And so again, it wasn't that they were like, hey, awesome, let's get beat again, you know? It, It was saying, hey, we're worthy to suffer on behalf of Jesus. This is what he taught us about, and now we're doing it. And so that's where I just think, again, that they had this awareness that their joy wasn't just circumstantial or even earthly. Mm. It was eternal. It was bigger than the moment. It transcended it. And that's why I think joy is so much, so much larger than happiness. Um, one of the things for me that I, I wanted to do with this much is I wanted to dig in what's the meaning of joy. Mm. And so the Greek word here for rejoicing is the word uh, kara. You could transliterate it in English, C-H-A-R-A. Mm. And it's, it's the, the biblical word for joy. 
It's rejoicing, gladness, bliss, enjoyment, or celebration. But when I heard that, I was reminded of another word. I, I, I almost failed Greek. I, t- I took a C the first semester. It was a mercy C. Uh, Hebrew is a more fun language for me. But in mm-hmm. Greek, there's a word that I, rem- I was reminded of when I heard kara, and it's the Greek word for grace, which is charis, mm. which means unmerited favor. Literally, the root of grace in Greek is joy, and I believe the root of grace, of joy in our life, is attached to grace, that when we receive the grace of God, it births joy in us because we realize we didn't deserve this favor, we didn't merit this favor, we haven't earned God's love, we've received Mm -hmm. it as a gift, and it begins to birth in us just a deep sense of gratitude and joy. So, Mm -hmm. So again, in contrast, while Satan says, our enemy says, your joy is only found in your circumstances, Jesus says our joy is based on something eternal, yes. not something earthly. Mm. So that's the second line. Love that. Oh, that's fantastic. So as you're looking at it, I thought this was an interesting one, though. But what, what's the third line? Yeah, so the third one, and I, I think this is for those of you who maybe struggled with joy. It hasn't come as easy for you. The lie that you may hear is that be careful about sharing your joy. Um, you know, after, after you lost that trip to, to Arlington with your dad, mm-hmm. you, you know, probably were like nervous to tell people you were going to the stadium in Indy because you were like, I don't want to mess this up. You, when you've lost something, you kind of hold that tighter. And sometimes when we've lost joy or we struggle to have it, when we get it, we kind of like hoard it and we, we, we white knuckle it. But, but we're invited in scripture to share our joy. Mm. Jesus is a great example of this. Matthew 11, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard. So Jesus obviously enjoyed a party. You know, he enjoyed having fun. He didn't sin, but he was a great person to have at a party. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Mm. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. So when Jesus had joy, and in that context, joy was often shared at a meal with food and with drink, he shared it. It wasn't just Jesus by himself. It was Jesus sharing that. And later on, Paul says in Romans 15, again, I say rejoice, there's the word kara, you Gentiles, with his people. And that's to me, I think, the, the, the thing that tells me that I'm feeling joy is I want to share it. I get good news, I want to mm. share it. Something good happens, I want to tell people. And, and when you've lost joy or struggled with joy, the, the lie is, hey, if I can't keep you from holding joy and holding pain, if I can't keep you thinking it's just in this life, I'm just going to keep it to yourself. Mm. And yet what happens is that we're invited to share our joy with other people. That when we experience joy, we invite them into it. You know, I can remember getting a picture from you <laughs> at that game with your dad, mm-hmm. and I was sharing in that joy because I'd been excited for what was going to happen in Arlington. I'd been crushed when it was lost, and now I was celebrating again. And so that's where yeah. you can bring people with you and invite them into joy when you share it. And, and part of why I wanted to have you here is what I saw God do in you mm. is God used your joy in the midst of pain to reach people mm. and open a door with them. Because when you're going through pain, and you show up, not with plastic joy, not with a fake smile, <laughs> but when God brings real joy in you, while you're going through pain, people start watching you. <laughs> they start going, what is up with you? Like, how do you have joy in the midst of what you're going through? And so in some ways, like, joy is an apologetic. Because we live in a world that doesn't have a whole lot of joy. 
Like, go read the comment section of anything today. <laughs> we live in a culture that's obsessed with happiness, but is absent joy. And so when somebody, like, we're all going to go through pain. I'm sorry for the news flash today, breaking <laughs> news. You're going to go through pain. You're either in pain today, you're coming out of a season of pain, or you're headed for a season of pain. Hmm. It's, we live in a broken world. And yet when we're in pain and, and the spirit births or brings the fruit of joy to life in us, a watching world says, where did you get that? How do you have that? And, and, and that's why I think God uses joy to redeem our pain hmm. and to bring other people to him. Yeah. So that's why it has to be shared. So. Yeah, I love that. I think that, you know, again that difference, right, that attracts, that is the magnet, mm-hmm. right, uh, for others to And you can't to fake have. it, because people, yeah. people can smell the fake. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think authenticity, right, is one of those big buzzwords that are out there, but you know it. You can smell it, you can sense it, and you can see it, and you just can't, you can't fake it, mm-hmm. right? So, love that. Well, you know, uh, we got the big idea, and of course, as we've kind of gone through there, but I love the idea that we, we look for ways that are the next steps. How do mm-hmm. we put this into practice? What we're learning today, what we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what are those next steps that we have around joy? Yeah, so we typically call the final section of the message the next steps. In this series, we're focusing more on talking about these as practices. Mm-hmm. So the path to joy is found in practices. Mm. And though we have a big idea for the message, and that big idea today is that God offers us a joy that is rich but unfinished in this life. There's a big idea for the series that we're coming back to each week. And that big idea is this, that these, these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, these are not objectives that we achieve, but they're outcomes we experience. We can't just say, okay, I'm going to be more joyful this week. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you get fake joy. Mm. It has to be the outcome that the Spirit works in us. And so we, we engage in practices, because practices are simple cooperative activities that enable us to accomplish with the Spirit's help what we can't do alone. Mm -hmm. So these practices are a way for us to do what is in our power to do. And yet in the midst of that, the Spirit joins us and births fruit. That if I went and did it on my own, I'd get the the work of the flesh. If you try to accomplish the the fruits of the Spirit in your own power, you get the work of the flesh. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to do these practices knowing that God's going to meet me within them and his spirit's going to birth the mm. fruit through them. So that we've got four, and then hang on, Dave, I've got one <laughs> that I'm going to turn to you for. So the first one is this. Begin each day by marinating your mind on these five words. And if you're mm. taking notes, these are your five blanks. I am beloved by God. Mm. I am beloved by God. By a show of hands in here, and we try to say this is an, a safe space for you to be honest. <laughs> this is a judgment-free zone, so no side-eye in here, okay, right now. How many of you, if you were honest, say that you use your phone in bed before you get out of bed in the morning? Raise your hand. Okay? So I'd probably say about a third of the room, maybe. It's about a third of the room at the 9 o'clock service. I'm one of those people. I'm not proud of it. It's not a good <laughs> habit, but I do it. And so what I'm challenging you to do... And I went for my phone this morning. I had to pause myself because I was preaching this in two hours. Um, was before you reach for your phone, I want you to close your eyes and just to yourself say these words, I am beloved by God. Mm. Now you notice I didn't put loved, I put beloved by there. Different meaning. Beloved means deeply loved. Loved in a unique way. Mm-hmm. Loved like nothing else. 
God loves you deeply in a unique way like nothing else. And in the morning, before you get up, before you get out of bed, before you do anything, before you satisfy anybody's expectations, before you perform, before you achieve, you are beloved by God. And marinate your brain in that. Marinate your heart in that the way you would a piece of meat. You know? Just let it soak in so that that's the first message that you start from with your day. Secondly, again, before you get your phone, (laughs) give thanks for what you have, Mm. even if your heart is broken over what you don't. And Davey said, you can hold two truths at the same time. That's right. You know, in that moment at that game, your heart was breaking that you weren't going to have season after season of watching Cowboy games with your dad. That's right. But you were given thanks for that game. And that's for me what I've discovered walking with people through the highs and lows of life and myself is that gratitude can happen even when you're in a hard season. I it makes the biggest difference when you're in the hard season. Philippians, or sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes three things. Rejoice always, pray continually, mm. and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we give thanks no matter what's happening, not for everything. I'm not asking you to be a crazy person and just thank God for (laughs) terrible, horrible things, but thank him in the midst of everything because there's Mm. something in there to be thankful for. And then the Mm. third part of that Thessalonians passage, pray conversationally throughout your day. I think there's a myth that says that you just pray in the morning. Maybe you pray over meals. Maybe you pray when you're using really formal language, but when I've had to go through hard or painful seasons, my prayer life has turned more into a conversation mm-hmm. where I'm just crying out to God. It's a couple weeks ago, something happened, and I was like, God, I cannot handle one more setback. God, I can't handle one more piece of bad news. God, I, I need you. I literally said, God, you're killing me right now. <laughs> I'm sure that's allowed, but I said it. Because um, that's how I felt. Yeah. I just cried out to him. And what I found in that moment is he didn't undo the bad news I got, but he gave me what I needed to walk through that day and the next day and the next day and today. And so I would just encourage you, turn prayer into a conversation. Almost all of us have somebody we talk to every day. Maybe you have that family group text thread and it just keeps going off all throughout the day on your phone. You talk to the most important people in your life all day. Why do you only talk to God on Sundays or once in the morning? have a conscience with them all day. And then finally, embrace joy even as it interrupts, surprises, or leaves you longing for more. Mm. Joy may not come in the way that you expected. Welcome it anyway. Last week, Chris gave a great message on the the first fruit of love, and he said that often we're too busy to love people. Mm -hmm. We have to reorchestrate our calendar so we have time and space to love the people God brings in our path. Same thing's true with joy. Mm-hmm. Some of us are too busy for joy because if God didn't send us a calendar notice a week in advance, we have no time for him. <laughs> so joy does not show up on a calendar with advance notice. It, it surprises us. It's C.S. Lewis's book, Surprised by Joy. Yeah. And so we have to embrace joy as it comes, which means being a little bit more flexible. Mm. Um, Dave, I wanted to turn to you. I mentioned I was going to give you an yeah. opportunity here. I know I've watched you live with joy through painful hard times. Was there a practice when you were going through that that helped you not to will yourself into fake joy, mm-hmm. but to cooperate with what God was doing? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. You know, it's something that um, I talk a lot with, uh, you know, one-on-ones coaching, you know, you know, CEOs and owners 
um, uh, going through, but the practice really is, is a practical practice, um, but it's really this zooming out approach, right? And I think so often, at least myself, I find myself, when you're going through either an adversity or a challenge or you're going through pain, you can get so zeroed in and zoomed in where you only see that pain. You only see that threat, that obstacle, whatever it is. And we, you know, our view, our, you know, our view is really tight. And, you know, this practice of, you know, taking a moment to breathe and take a step back and see um, and increasing your field of vision so that you can see overall what all the things that are happening and how things are going to go through. You know, I described earlier, um, you know, I, I could sit here and name, you know, and at the moment, right, um, the joy that was filled during that game was I knew all of the things. I was able to see all the things that had to happen in order to make that moment happen. And man, that's overwhelming, right? To be beloved that much that God would move those things um, for that moment. And so I think that the idea of just being able to step back, increase your field of vision, you know, hindsight, I look back, Scott, and as I still look back at the moments, I think sometimes God gives us bigger ideas or bigger visions of what has orchestrated. Um, I shared with you guys that um, lost the moment, the opportunity to go to a game um, with my pops uh, in Arlington um, that was there. But the following year um, was able to use those tickets to take my son. <laughs> and to continue that tradition. Nothing to look at at that particular time. But I also remember a statement that my father said when we were bored in the plane, take David. I think it's just neat Yeah, when you can see how God continues. And when you continue to take those steps back, you get to see how God weaves things that are painful, are difficult, and yet how he can weave them into such a beautiful story mm -hmm. and something that just can continue to feel and feel joy mm -hmm. in our lives. And so I look forward to your next kid going to, <laughs> to Arlington for a That's game right. and your next me. and your next. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your, your honesty, your transparency, your willingness mm -hmm. to share here. And um, we pray that this has helped you take a step towards joy mm -hmm. today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the fact that you are with us, powerfully present, even in the midst of pain. And though our world would say it's not possible to have joy, though our enemy would say it's not possible to have joy, we know that you are powerfully at work in our weakness, in our pain, in our grief, in our loss, in our confusion. And there is not a moment in our lives, there is not a space in our world that you don't declare as yours. Mm -hmm. I thank you for the way that you have brought joy amidst the pain that my brother has walked through. And I thank you for the joy that you have brought and continue to bring uh, through the, the memories of his dad and the things they shared together. And I pray for the people who are here in this room, who are watching from home right now, who will watch or listen later. And I pray that you would bring the fruit of joy to life in them and through them in ways that exceed their imagination, in a way that only you could do. I thank you for the reminder that it's not joy or pain. 
It's not joy or loss. It's not joy or struggle. It's both. It's and. And we thank you that you are the God of and. That you meet us where we are and you redeem, you restore, you do great work. Thank you for today and the way that you're speaking.